so often I get the opportunity to come and see your smiling faces. This is really a delight for Joyce and I to be out here and uh, to see God continuing to grow his people in the Canada area. And uh, the best is yet to come. Amen? You just sat down, but I'm going to ask you to stand up for a second. When I come into a building and, and I have an opportunity to share, I try to kind of read what's going on in the building. And it's always fascinating to hear God's people worship, to see God's people worship. And uh, I was watching the platform this morning and to watch young ones starting to come up and to express the joy that's in their hearts to serve the Lord. Aren't you glad for young people saying yes to God? Come on, because we're going to talk about servanthood today, and it's an important message for us to get. But at the same time, I noticed some of you beginning to pray in, in the Spirit and sing in the Spirit. You know, that sets a tone, because we're not people of the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We're kingdom people. And when we come together to worship, something's going on on the inside of us because of his presence amongst us. And something inside of us says he's worthy of our worship and our praise. And so as you're standing today, I want to just read something as we get together. When you open your Bible in a few moments, the Old Testament opens with humanity being made in the image and likeness of God in the Old Testament. It's a wonderful beginning to reading the Bible. When you get through the Old Testament, you open the New Testament, you see God is now being made in the likeness of men. The word starts to become flesh and dwells amongst us. In the New Testament, his sinful creatures crucify the sovereign Lord. And what we grasp in all of that is God has done something in our hearts and in our lives to cause us to be grateful people, to be thankful all the time because we could still be in our sin. We could still be out of relationship with him. And we could still be going through life without his presence in us and amongst us. And you remember what that was like. And we don't want to go back there. And so let me finish by saying that it is estimated that upwards of 40 billion people have lived on planet Earth since the time of Adam. 40 billion. Every single human being in this 40 billion shares one thing in common. And we'll talk about a little bit of that today. And that is that person's purpose and destiny after this life. And during this life, their personal relationship with someone called Jesus, the God-man, God in the flesh, dwelling amongst us, doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. So I want you to put your hand over your heart. And Father, as we open your word today, we want to say thank you that your word is clear it is concise, it is convicting, it is challenging, but it's also a call to become like you. 
And we say yes this morning, Lord. By your spirit, speak to our hearts about servanthood and change our lives that we are more like Jesus. In his name we pray and the whole church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. On October 24th, we started the series on Build Your House, and we asked the question, why do I need to be saved? What does it mean to be lost and then to be found? We continued on that journey with what it means to be lost and then ultimately to be found, and the Bible calls that justification. That's a legal position that you and I have now that Christ has stamped upon our account paid in full so that we can stand before God with no condemnation whatsoever. We can stand complete in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross on our behalf. Then we moved into found to following, which is sanctification, that process of separating ourselves unto God and saying, Lord, in the midst of every single day, I want to be able to set my mind, set my heart, set my emotions, set my plans apart to follow your purpose. And then to watch what God does through every single day. Now today we're going to look at following to servanthood. And that's really Christ-likeness. He's in the process of conforming us to the image of his son. And I know that we're going to talk about Matthew's gospel in just a moment, but I couldn't help but think when we go back to the book of John in chapter 13, Jesus gathers his disciples together, and as Pastor Terry led us through communion, he begins that process of showing them what he's going to do. They don't fully understand it, but they trust. And as time unfolds, it gets clearer and clearer to them. The same in your journey with Christ. There are seasons where you have a lot of questions. You have seasons where it just doesn't seem clear. But if you just trust him and allow him step by step to lead and guide, it will become clear you'll start to understand. And so the disciples, at the end of the meal, Jesus takes a bowl and a towel and he starts washing their feet. And he goes one by one by one, all the way around the room. And let me ask you a question. Do you think he washed Judas's feet? Mm -hmm. He knows how to love us in a way that we don't fully grasp. The question is, do we respond to that love? And sometimes when our eyes are on ourselves, it's hard to respond to that love because the self is in the way. But when we look into his eyes and we see what he's doing, it breaks our heart because we realize there's a depth of love going on that we've never anticipated, nor have we experienced before. No one will love you the way Jesus will love you. All right? No one will love you the way he loves you. So open your heart to him. This is what I'm believing this morning as we share God's word together. I'm believing that by his spirit, you're going to experience a bowl with water and his hands cleansing and washing your heart and your life. And then you're going to feel his embrace as the towel 
begins to dry off that which he has cleansed and something new starts to emerge. And so when we talk about servanthood, we're not just talking about doing stuff. It's about who we are at the core of our being. And so, like I said, we've gone from lost to found, from found to following, and now from following to serving. As we go through the talk, I want you to know that every one of us in this room has a backstory, and that backstory has been shaped by people, by events, by circumstances, some of them really good and some of them not so good. Everyone sitting amongst us today, every single one of us has things in our lives right now that are painful, that are discouraging, that are difficult, that are challenging, that we are going through. But I want you to know God's not finished with any of us yet. He is on the throne. He is working. And he sees those areas of our lives that we're struggling to clean up. And he goes, no, no, I have the bull. I have the water. And I'm going to take care of you. And all of a sudden, we learn to put ourselves in his hands and allow him to shape and to mold us. So this backstory allows us then to not only be found in Christ, but to recognize that we don't want to be shaped just by the people and events and circumstances of the past, but we want to be shaped by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts today. We want it to be fresh today. Nothing worse than trying to go through the motions of being a Christian. Nothing worse than that, because that leaves you empty. You want to just open your heart and embrace him and say, Holy Spirit, do whatever you have to do in my heart today to conform me to the image of Jesus, because that's who I want to depend on. And when you depend on him, that relationship deepens, and it goes deeper and deeper every day. And so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 10, verses 5 through 15, and we're going to be drawn into a moment in time with Jesus. And he says it this way. And I'm always, when I read this portion of scripture, I always laugh because in my heart of hearts, when Jesus went on the mountain to pray, and out of all the disciples following, he said, Lord, show me the ones that you want to be my apostles, the ones that you want to be my messengers. And I'm sure when Jesus saw the 12 of them, he looked at, at his father and said, are you sure? <laughs> These are the 12. You want to be intimately connected to me. And I can just imagine the father go, yep, they're the ones. Because they're going to be a representation of the world. Of all the different things that are going in, I want them to see my power at work transforming no matter who and no matter what from where they were to where I want them to be. From naturally minded people to spiritually minded people. From those who are just living for today to those who are going to have eternity stamped in their eyes. I'm going to do a work in them and I'm going to shape them and they're going to start looking like you, son. And so Jesus comes to this point, and he says to his disciples, Go nowhere among the Gentiles. Enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Very specific instruction. God knows how to speak to your heart specifically, like we just watched on the video. 
here's a mom. She's giving into the gift program, and now all of a sudden, God is blessing her, and now she can be a blessing to others. So it's very specific what God does in each of our lives. And so he's saying to them, this is for this part of the journey, this is what I want. Proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. How many know, as soon as you read that, that takes the focus off you and puts it on him because you and I know we can't do that. We can't do that, but he can. You received without paying, therefore give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey. Say that to a lady as you're going to go on a trip. Joyce, we're going off on missions. You're not going to take anything with you. You're going on your own then. <laughs> Don't take two tunics or sandals or staff, for the laborer deserves his food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who's worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon that house. If it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. When you're starting to read something like that and you realize, oh, we're not talking about fluffy Jesus here. Someone who's so lovey-dovey that uh, everything he says and everything he does is simply just for the benefit of everyone around. He's very clear that when your peace is given to someone and it's received by someone, a dynamic starts to happen in that place. When a city says no to God or a neighborhood says no to God, he leaves them to their resources. And there's a challenge in that, and you see that in the scriptures. He says, I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. So he's very, very clear on what he is saying to his disciples and what he wants them to do and why he wants them to do it. And so later on, he's going to send them to the Gentile world. He's going to teach them to care even for the Samaritans who are not part of Israel. But for now, Jesus describes one group of people that he wants the disciples to minister to, and that's the house of Israel. So I want you to focus on that just for today. Not all the things that Jesus can do, but one specific area. And while there's lots we can say about this particular portion of Scripture, what we want to focus on is Jesus sends them first and foremost without things and then with things. There's something about how you start your journey in Christ. He's going to send them out two by two. He's going to give them delegated authority and power. He's going to say to them, as you go, talk about the things of the kingdom of God. Begin to preach the things of the kingdom. What you've heard from me, you begin to tell others. When you find people that are sick, lay hands on them and pray for their healing. When you come across dead people, raise them up. How many know that separates a lot of people right there? 
All of a sudden, you start backing away from what it is that you understand Jesus delegating them to do. Cleanse the lepers. Oh, I could go down a track with that one right now. And cast out demons. Are there demons? Sometimes we say, no, no, people just have mental problems. No, there's an evil in our world. You see it everywhere. It's the fruit of an unholy spirit. It's the fruit of an adversary. It's who Jesus has come to defeat once and for all. And when you see people not yielded to Christ, you see the effects of evil on their hearts and on their lives because they live just for now. They live for temporal things. And so Jesus says, I want you to go out and preach, and I want you to demonstrate this. And so he says to them, you received without paying, and you're going to give without paying. It's an Old Testament principle that comes out of the book of Isaiah. When Isaiah says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy, eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price from Isaiah 55. So it's all available to you, and when you're a recipient of it, what does he want you to do? Go out to others and say the same thing, that there's a place of freedom for you. There's a place of fulfillment for you. You know as well as I do, when you're hungry and you sit down and you have a good meal, there's a nice feeling that comes after that. How much more when we have a spiritual feast And God begins to minister to our spiritual life and build us up and strengthen us. And he says, now, that what you feel on the inside is what people are crying out for and are hungry for and are searching for but can't find it. You have it. Go share it with them. And we go in faith believing and God does the rest. In the New Testament, do you remember that moment where Peter is empowered by the Holy Spirit? God is at work inside of him, and he's coming into the temple. It's time to pray, and he's got a disciplined portion of his life where he wants to worship God, and he comes by a beggar who is asking him for silver and gold, just begging at the door of the temple. And Peter says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have... How many know that when you reach that point in your journey where you can say to someone, but such as I have, that's a treasure that is worth more than silver and more than gold. That's eternal richness at work in your heart and your life. Sometimes we poo-hoo it because we don't necessarily see the power of God at work the way we need to see him at work through our hearts and lives because sometimes we're resistant. But when Jesus told them to go out, take nothing for the journey and I'm going to take care of you, what's he doing? He's doing what he does in every single person's life that starts out in faith believing. He wants you to move away from providing for yourself so that he can provide for you. Doesn't mean he doesn't give you wisdom to take care of yourself, but he wants to show you you can live by faith and he will take care of everything that you need in your life step by step. But it's going to be a journey and it's going to take some time and you're going to have some lessons that you're going to go through. Joyce and I can tell you all kinds of stories in the beginning. When we 
had to believe God even for the restoration of our marriage. And then as that begins to happen and the Lord calls us and we think, well, why would you call us? We got nothing to offer. And he goes, I know. But I have something that I want to do in you and through you on behalf of the things of my kingdom. Will you trust me? And step by step by step, we began to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Even though we didn't have a clue what we were doing, we still don't. <laughs> Fooled you. You think we know what we're doing, but we don't. We just say yes to him. We allow him day by day to work in us and work through us. Just so you know, we had a house that we shouldn't have had. We held up the mortgage and asked God to bring a buyer, and he did because we knew we were disobedient in buying that house. And then we said, Lord, we have nothing to go to. We have no, no one to turn to. How are you going to help us from here? And a lady in the church came and said, could you take over my house? I'm a widow, and I don't need the house anymore, and would you take it over? And it's got all the furniture and all the dishes and everything you need. Just take it over. Single home, beautiful home in a beautiful part of the city. And then she said these words, and you set the rent. So whatever you want to pay is fine with me. How many know God surprises you with things? We had a little Toyota Corolla that we could see the road when we looked down. It had about 8 million miles on it. But guess what? We drove kids to school just around the corner every day. We never complained. We just said, Lord, this is the limit to what we can afford. We're going to drive the Toyota Corolla. We're going to enjoy it. And they got a knock on the door one day. God told me to buy you a car, right? Just like he told the lady to give us a house. Took me down to the car lot and he said, choose any car you want. <laughs> yeah, sure. Any car. I couldn't do it. Why? Because I couldn't understand God's love for me to do that. I wasn't worthy enough for God to do that. I was thinking of myself the way I was thinking. I wasn't thinking the way he was thinking. He wanted to bless me, and I couldn't receive the blessing. So there was more of a lesson in that, more than the car. It was, there are going to be people that will come across your path in life that simply want to bless you. Give them the same privilege to bless you as you've had to bless others. And so finally standing there just unable to make a decision, he went over to the most expensive, the biggest, the most beautiful car on the parking lot and said, what about this one? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay. At that time, because I'm old, he went into the dealership, signed it, came out, gave me the keys, said, go home. Car's paid for. House is paid for. What was God teaching Joyce and I at the beginning? Hold all of that lightly because this is called stewardship, son. And I'm putting it into your hands for a season. But then I'm going to direct those things into the hands of others. So just hold on to it lightly. 
Yes, Lord. I'll hold on to it lightly. And we went from nothing, learning to depend on God, trusting him day by day and realizing even though we had left government, left our, our positions in government, not only two salaries coming in, two great salaries coming in, I left government, then Joyce left government, and our salary went way down, just a teeny, teeny, weeny bit of money coming in now. And what was God saying? I told you to go out. Don't take anything with you. I'm going to teach you to walk by faith. I'm going to teach you that I'm Jehovah Jireh. I will be your provider. And it's, it's the finance test that every single believer has to pass in order to move on in what it is that God wants to do. Why? Because when you can trust him with your finances, you can trust him with your life. If you can't trust him with your finances, you're really struggling to trust him with your life. So from that moment on, we said yes to God, and we just kept going, and God kept working in our hearts and working in our lives, and he was saying to us, now you're learning. As you depend on me, you will deepen your trust in who I am and why I have called you. And so he sends them out as disciples, dependent on heaven's provision, not so much on the treasures of earth anymore. The Lord's prayer will become a reality in their lives. Thy will be done on earth in the same way that it is in heaven. Something starts to happen on earth that starts looking like heaven. And you and I then begin to go, wow. When we gather like this on a Sunday and we lift our hands and we begin to worship corporately, it might look like a concert, but it's not a concert. Right? When you see kids at a concert and they're all jumping up and down, that's not the same at all. The posture of the heart is towards the one that is your beloved. And you want heaven to be on earth. And so when his presence fills the sanctuary, literally anything can happen in his midst. That's why the proclamation of the gospel speaks to hearts and people give their lives to Christ. It's why when people are sick and at the end of this service, just stay in your seat. People will come to you and pray in faith, believing for you to be healed. If you are in an area of your life where you feel like you have a stronghold, those things can be broken off your life. In other words, the sanctuary is a place you are set apart to enjoy the freedom that Jesus Christ has made available to you. And then to walk out of here confident with your head up, knowing he has begun a good work in me and he is going to see that work through until completion. And so he'll conform you to the image of his son who was the ultimate servant. And so in following Jesus, he makes them fishers of men, of people, of humanity wherever they go. He shapes them from being found now to becoming servants. He's deepening their dependence upon him, not on the things all around them. Jesus knows that this, this world has its values like copper and silver and gold and all of that, and those things can grip our hearts and hold us tight, but he wants to be able to say to them, I don't want 
you to be worried. You can have those things in your life, but don't let those things have you. Remember the story of the rich young ruler? His goods had him. He couldn't let go of natural things for spiritual things. He was limited to that which was natural for his lifetime instead of investing in that which would have been eternal for his eternal life. True treasure is found in Jesus Christ. So if you want to be a rich young ruler, you want to say, I want to understand true riches in my life. And I want to have those that work in my heart and my life. In fact, in Matthew 6, Jesus says, nobody can serve two masters. You can't do it. Oh, yeah, I'll try. I'll show you. You can't do it. He said, you'll hate the one or love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Does he know we need money? Absolutely he does. Do we need it to do the things that we have to do in our lives? Absolutely we do. But our focus is on him. Our focus is on his provisions. It's him being able to say to us, I'm going to provide in your heart and in your life, and I'm going to surprise you, and there's going to be an adventure to your life every single day. And there is. God will do amazing things that you can't even think about. Joyce and I, every so often on Facebook, we get a post that we put up a number of years ago. And there was a post that came up the other day, and we were in Venice, Italy. Do you know where Venice, Italy is on my list of places to go and visit? If, if 100 is the top list, it's number 100. I would have never thought I would ever go to Venice, Italy. That was only in the movies. And then we had someone say to us, the next tour you take to Israel, we're going to fly you to Rome. We're going to let you to see Rome. We're going to put you on a speeding train. We're going to take you to Venice. We're going to provide a hotel for you. You're going to be able to go on the water. You can do all, and we're going to pay for it. Say what? <laughs> Gifts and surprises come. When you understand, when you sow, you reap. God is no man's debtor. So when you invest in the things of his kingdom, you just step back and say, Lord, I have things in my heart that I would love to see fulfilled at some point. But Lord, you know what's best for my life. You direct my steps. My desire is to please you. My desire is no longer about stuff. It's not about places, not about things. It's about you, Lord. You're my desire. And he says, then I'm going to give you the desire of your heart. I'm going to make myself more known to you. And I'm going to surprise you. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to do things for you that you never, ever thought of. And so how does that work with issues of servanthood? It just means you take care of his business he takes care of yours. You take care of the things that he wants to have done through your life. And that's another thing. When we talk about servanthood and being conformed to the image of Christ, his Holy Spirit is at work in you uniquely. It's not a pattern. 
In other words, there's lots of things that need to be done in the house of the Lord. Thank God we can come and do that. But when we walk out of here, we walk into a world that's desperate for God. They don't know it, but they're desperate for God. And God will have surprises for you all week. In every situation you go to, just say, Lord, is there anything that you have for me here today? And just watch what he does. When you start your day and just say, Lord, I'm here to serve your plans and your purposes today. Watch what he does as he guides you. You're going to have to also work through the issues that you see when you read the Gospels about flattery and criticism. Those things can be a challenge to you as you're moving forward. Uh, Flattery can make us believe uh, something that we're not. You know, the proverb says, a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Sometimes people flatter us because they want to get something. They're trying to manipulate us, trying to do something in us. But we must understand we all need to be encouraged. We all need to be be exhorted. We all need to be built up. There's a difference between that and flattery. That's why I love the gift of prophecy because it's for edification, exhortation, and comfort. It's meant to encourage people, to build them up, to help them in their journey. And so for flattery, you can imagine the 12 going out and forgetting that they have been delegated authority to do these things, and as soon as they start to do them, they think it's them. Oh, look what we're doing now. Try and heal the sick. Try and cast out devils. You and I can't do that on our own. We can only do that under delegated authority. And so when we're ministering to people, we're praying at the same time. Holy Spirit, how can I help my brother, my sister? How can I help this person in whatever situation they're in? And then watch what God starts speaking to your heart. Flattery is a deception because it deepens our dependence and our trust in a misplaced source. You want it to come from God's word. You want it to come by the Holy Spirit. Last week when we were in Orleans, I talked about 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, that talks about our, our makeup, how God made us as spirit, soul, and body. And when you look at the tabernacle in the wilderness or the temple that was in Jerusalem, it's a tripart process. I have an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. And in your spiritual life, you have the same thing. You have a spirit that's absolutely eternal. It's the holy of holies of your heart. It's where God's spirit communes with your spirit and where impressions and direction and where he speaks to your heart. And if your mind has been renewed by the word of God, he's got something to work with. Because now you can cooperate with him because of what's going on in your spiritual life. And then your body simply becomes a servant to your spirit. That's why when Jesus washes the feet of his disciples, he is putting into practice what is going on in him spiritually as the Father is saying, teach them the lesson that they go from here today with a bowl and a towel and that they are servants just like he is being a servant to his disciples as he washes their feet. And so they go with this incredible power They go with this incredible opportunity to serve the purposes of God. I love what the Apostle Paul says, that once you know 
that you've been empowered by God, you're being sent by God. You have a calling on your life and a mission on your life. Paul says in Galatians 5, you were called to freedom. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Again, another turn away from that which is natural. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Very clear instructions that don't allow flattery, don't allow criticism, don't allow back events and circumstances and people and things that you've gone through in the past. Don't let that fill your mind and fill your heart and dictate your steps now. You have been set free. And now you've got a whole new perspective on life. I'm going to put new people in your life. You're going to have new events that you're going to be a part of, new circumstances that you're going to go through. They're going to reshape you into my image and into my likeness. And as you serve, you reflect me best. It's not the power issue. It's the love of God ministering to broken humanity. Everybody remembers John 3, 16? For God so loved the world, the stinking, dirty, sinful, rotten world. He loves it, and we're called to love it too. What does that mean? We love the people who are made in his image and likeness. We don't necessarily love the things they do, but we love them as eternal beings. That's why I said 40 billion people, they have one important question to answer, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And when you can answer that question right, the rest God will take care of in your heart and in your life. So whatever you depend on, it begins to deepen. So can I encourage you today, depend on Christ. Depend on his leadership of your life today and every day. What you depend on, you develop trust in. Just watch him prove himself faithful to you every single day. And then not that we place, and not all that we place our trust in is trustworthy. So we know how to be discerning in, in the things of day-to-day -day life. You get to know after a while, is that me or is that you, Lord? You get to know his voice. You get to know his word. You get to know how he speaks to your heart and life. And you get to know the, the peace that comes when he is speaking to your life. Graham Cook used to always say to us, when you're going to do something in God, you might be frightened to do it, but there's always a peace inside. Allow that peace to be the guide. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. And he sends them out as disciples with that specific mission to the, light, to the house of Israel. He gives them specific authority, preach and heal and raise and set free. And he gives them the challenge from the beginning without particular comforts, but the comforts will come. In other words, the provisions that you need will be added to your life when you learn the lesson of living by faith. We are people who live by faith. That's the most important. And so he gives them this test from the very beginning so that they grow from following to serving, to take on a posture of a servant, 
and then to remember that no matter what they do with their life from this point on, they are simply stewards of all that God has put into their hands. And that's for you, and that's for me. Mark 10 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. If you've stopped serving somewhere along the way, can I challenge you that probably what started to happen is you've shifted away from stewardship to personal ownership. You've moved away from trusting him to just trusting yourself. You've got your eyes off of spiritual things now. They're back on natural things. If you've had some success in your heart and in your life with worldly things, enjoy them. But make sure they don't have you. Make sure that God can put his finger on anything in your life and you're willing to release it because it's simply a trust that he's given to you. I'm going to leave you with three questions today. Do you need the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart this morning about your dependence on him? Very important. Second, do we need to shift our posture from some areas of our life where we're owners to where we're just stewards? You know, someone said to me a couple of weeks ago, I couldn't believe you were willing to lend your motorcycle to that person. You don't understand motorcycle community. Nobody even touches your bike. Nobody sits on your bike. And you said to them, here's the keys, take it. Why? Because I'm not an owner. I'm a steward. I do that with everything. If I borrow your car and I drive one kilometer and your gas tank is empty, I always bring it back to you full. Why? Because I'm not an owner. I'm simply a steward. And God, when you trust me with things, there's a lesson in that for me, but there's a lesson in that for others, that I want to be a steward of the things of God. And do we need to let Jesus bring healing to our flattered or our criticized heart? Are some of you still struggling with what has happened in the past, what someone has said about you or said to you, that you struggled with that, you've been criticized, and you can't seem to overcome that, or you have been flattered and you realized you've been used. Let's all stand together as we pray. And Father, you're at work in us today to do in us the same thing you did with the disciples. You took them out of the world. You called them. They began to follow you. You brought them closer and closer to your heart. You called them not only disciples, but you called them my friends. You called them brothers and sisters. And you began to wash and wipe away all the things of the past that ruined them, broke them, caused them to be anchored to events of the past that they can't seem to be free from. Father, may this be a moment where faith is being released now in the hearts of your people to enjoy the fullness of the freedom 
that you have made available to them. And God, that their heart cry is, I am not an owner of my life. I am simply a steward. And Lord, you are free to do in me anything you want to do. And as I go out of this place today, Father, my heart cry is to serve your purposes in my generation because that's true treasure. Holy Spirit, bring healing now. Touch every heart with the bowl and the towel as you minister to their lives. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Let me just ask as we finish, if you're here this morning and for whatever reason you've never given your life to Christ, this is a great time to do so. And in a moment we're going to dismiss and you're free to go. But if you would like someone to pray with you, just sit down in your seat wherever you are and they'll come to you and they'll pray with you. And this would be a great time to start the journey. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor B, I'm still really struggling about this issue of servanthood because I think I got a stronghold of ownership on my heart rather than stewardship. But I want to be free. I want to be able to serve 24-7 wherever the Lord directs my steps. And I want to be at liberty with that. Then you just find a place to be seated and someone will come and pray with you. Pastor Terry, thank you for the opportunity to come and share this morning. Thank you for your attention. You're a blessed people. Let's go and enjoy the presence of God all week. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Bless you guys. You are dismissed.